0: Last week, we started into a new teaching series at Covenant called Thy Kingdom Come. And we talked last week about how God has called all of us, that we are all in our primary identity as followers of Jesus, citizens of the kingdom, and that that kingdom citizenship does not begin with rules or actions or guilt or obligation. It comes out of a relationship. It comes out of God's loving relationship with us, and I hope that this week that you have been able, as John writes, to abide in that place, to abide in that place of relationship, whether you did that through our daily Lectio Divina readings or in some other way, that this week you were able to just sit and dwell in how much God loves you. Because that is the foundation of everything that the kingdom of God is about, is about our loving uh, relationship with our Creator. However, that relationship does send us out in the world to think about how we live and to think um, about how we're called to live and the things that we're called to stand for. And so as Jesus talks about what that kingdom lifestyle looks like, the way that he teaches is through parables, through stories. He tells stories about what living in the kingdom of God is like. And these stories are meant to be interacted with on different layers. We're meant to kind of interact with them in different ways. And so Today, we're going to be looking at a parable from Luke chapter 12, where Jesus gives some images of what the kingdom of God is like, and these are glimpses of life in the kingdom. That's how you should think about these parables. They're glimpses of the life of, of, of the kingdom. Luke 12, through 31, and he, Jesus, said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these." But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat or what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. So in this parable, in this story, what Jesus is saying is that we are in our lives to put forward always the kingdom of God, to live first for the kingdom of God. And Jesus acknowledges in there that doing so can be worrisome. It can cause us anxiety. It can even cause us fear because we're looking around going, yeah, but I've got all the stuff in this world that I need to be able to do and to have and to experience and, you know, to retire and to send my kids to college. And so I've got to think about what he says. No, you've got to think about the kingdom first. And you and I have a unique opportunity next Sunday, one week from today, to put that into action in one way. Next next Sunday is Pledge Sunday here at Covenant, where we invite you to make a financial commitment to our budget next year. And to give you a glimpse this morning, just as Jesus tells stories to give glimpses of what life in the kingdom is like, this morning we're going to give you a glimpse as to the impact that can have when we put the kingdom of God first. Last year on Pledge Sunday 2015, when we pledged to this year's budget 2016, your extravagant generosity blew away any expectations we had. It was incredible. And one of the things that our leadership of the church has said, the session and the elders have said, is that we want our budget to start reflecting more and more of uh, being focused outside the walls of this church. And so we have, we're able through your generosity to both honor some previous mission commitment partners that we have in the city of Austin and around the world, but we were also able to enter into some new partnerships, okay? One of these new partnerships is through a ministry called International Justice Mission, And you may remember that last January, 10 months ago, Joe Farrell from International Justice Mission came and preached here in all of our services. Many of you picked up prayer cards to be praying weekly for IJM. And we, that weekend, uh, through the mission committee, made a decision to enter into a new partnership. And your generosity made that possible for us to do that. We're going to show a quick video now of who IJM is and what their work is um, before we move into the rest of our teaching time together. So let's, let's cue the video.
1: And remember, if there's a absurd or a dangerous situation, move yourself to a position.
2: Chief Hunter, we'll go back to the police. We saw about 1,200 little kids and found out that they were in fact trafficked and they were in fact slaves. These little kids are on this boat. They are not fed, they are abused beyond imagination.
1: we have operations all over the world rescuing people from slavery because today there are criminals who abuse children sell girls how old is she? 12. 12 how much 30 yeah yeah man. and force families into slavery criminals prey on the easiest target the world's poor because they expect no one to defend them But today, there are thousands of people gathering to seek justice for those in slavery. We are a group of lawyers, counselors, activists, and supporters. We are called International Justice Mission. Together, we form the largest international anti-slavery organization in the world. But slavery won't come to an end until criminals know they can't get away with it. So we partner with local police to arrest and prosecute criminals. This sends a message to slave owners. We will not go away. We stay with the survivors until they are healed, until they are free
0: overcome
1: fear. Each year, we rescue thousands of slaves and protect millions around the world. We are transforming how justice systems protect their citizens. To those who are still enslaved... We promise to find you. We will get you home to your families so you can have the freedom you deserve.
0: So IJM is one of our new mission partners that you're giving made possible for us to be in a relationship with. And the sermon this morning is going to have a very different format than normal. It's going to be what we call a dialogue sermon that we are going to be having with Doug and Theus Kilday. Doug and Theus um, are longtime members of this church. Theus was born and baptized uh, here at Covenant. Um They have served and currently serve in different leadership capacities here at Covenant, but uh, I don't wanna assume that there aren't uh, quite a number of people in this room today who don't know you all. So so that we can get into your story and how this is one glimpse of kingdom living. Would you just give us, uh, very briefly, your family, your kids, where they are in school, and your own vocational training and experience so that we can know your story better?
3: Um, So I'm Thais. And I'm the person that comes in five minutes late every week and sits over here. (laughs) Um, My kids are Naida, who is in the Journey Choir. She's eighth grade. She's a cheerleader at Lamar. And I've got little boys here, fifth grade and third grade, Lincoln and David. And... um, My training has been in government and social work and uh, I kind of got my ideal little mix of that after grad school when I got to go work um, with state human services and health and human services agencies working on policies like uh, food stamp access and trying to simplify the Medicaid application process and looking at um, how do you implement policies out so it impacts people uh, to look at poverty. Mm
2: Thank you. And I'm Doug. Um, I think we joined the church together as a family in about 1997, and um, I've been part of Covenant uh, throughout that time. Um, Vocationally, I'm a lawyer. I work with a law firm called Graves, Doherty, Heron, and Moody here in Austin, and I do business and commercial litigation, um, so companies fighting about money. You may have noticed they have a tendency to do that. Um, Usually it's a recession-proof job, but... uh, Anyway, um, so that's what I've been doing uh, vocationally.
0: Okay, so we've seen this video. We've heard more about our partnership with IJM that we've, been, that we've entered into, but this has been a unique journey for you all as a family with IJM. So tell us a little bit about what the last 10 months has been
2: like for you all. Well, I'll, I'll start with the punchline and then rewind the tape and tell you how we got there. Um, the short answer is that we are going. We are going to go be a part of the work that IJM does, and in January of 2017, we will be moving for a year um, to Cambodia, and we will be involved in uh, the work that you've seen on the screen. But it didn't start there, it it starts much earlier, and Thomas will tell you it starts earlier than what I'm about to describe, which is true. Uh, But in January, when Joe Farrell was here, he met with the Mission Committee the day before he preached um, at all four services of our church. And this is an exciting time to be part of the mission committee. We're having a a really wonderful time because we're in a time of replenishment, a time of growth where the budget is expanding. Um, Eight, ten years ago, the budget was shrinking and we were in the difficult position of telling our ministry partners, I'm sorry, but we can't do as much for you as we did a year ago. And now it's the opposite. We're able to double down on the ministries that we're supporting and have been for a long time and we're able to expand into these other areas. And um, all of us felt like this was an area where Covenant could do something and play a role. When we met with Joe, um, we asked the penultimate question that we ask all of our ministry partners, which is, how can our members get involved in the work that you're doing? Because we're not really a check-writing organization. We like to support ministries where we've got people that are involved. And Joe told us, well, you know, a lot of churches uh, do a 5K run that they sponsor to raise money. And we said, no, 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 that's not what we're talking about. We want to know how could our members get involved in doing the work that you're doing in the field. And Joe said, well, you know, that's a lot harder because all of our work is international. And um, but we do have these fellowship programs and internship programs. Interns are typically recent college graduates. And fellowships are more for people who are more experienced in their professional training. And we said, well, you know, what are you talking about? And he said, mostly it's lawyers, but there are other professional opportunities as well. And it's kind of ironic now saying this, but I'm the one that asked the question. And I said, well, you know, our, our church has a lot of lawyers. <laughs> and um, so maybe we could find someone who would be willing to go do something like that uh, tell us a little bit more and um, it's odd because as soon as those words came out of my mouth the tingle went down my spine and it was just sort of a yearning of uh, gosh I wish I could do something like that um, and it would it would really be powerful to be a part of something like that so I went home after that meeting, and I talked to Thais about it, and this wasn't really kind of in terms of, uh, hey, I found this puppy, can we keep it? I wasn't really <laughs> asking for anything. It was, it was more expressing almost as a regret that I wish we were in a position in our lives where we could do something like this, and I just had this tingling down my spine. And Thais said the most astonishing thing to me. Um, she said, you know what, Doug? Three or four years ago, we couldn't have done that. And two or three years from now, when Naida is uh, closer to graduating high school, we probably couldn't do that. But right now, we could totally do that. So you should listen, and we should explore this. And we did, and we went to the global prayer gathering of IJM in Washington, D.C. in April, and we learned a lot, we met people from all over the world, we heard amazing stories, we were inspired, our hearts were broken, Um, we were touched and it sort of confirmed the call and so you know fast forward to now we're packing boxes and we're moving and we're gonna go
0: now one of the neat things is that Doug and Thais are going to be going with their family to Cambodia and are going to be working there for a year both of them using their vocational training experience they have both been accepted into these fellowship programs so so, Theus, um, and it's funny, and I've said this in the other services, I, know, I knew we were going to have this conversation, but every time I hear you all say that, I'm like, wow, you're moving to Cambodia for a year to combat evil, which is what you're doing. So those moments often start with spine-tingling moments, right? But one of the questions is, how do you discern that's God's voice? Because one of the most frequent conversations I have as a pastor with people on all different kinds of issues is, how do I know if God's calling me to do this? How do I know if that's just my voice or my desires, or how do I know if it's really God calling me to do this? So there's one thing for a spine-tingling moment, but then, as you all said, you investigated, you discerned, is God calling you? Tell me what that was like for you all to discern, is this God's voice calling us? All
3: I- right. I did tell this to the other services, and I'll tell you guys. We are terrible decision makers as a couple, the two of us. We get my parents to come babysit, and then we go sit out in the driveway, and we're like, where are we going? And then we'll go sit in a parking lot, and we'll try to find a restaurant that's open. Right? And we're just I don't terrible. know. Where do you want to go? <laughs> exactly. This is what we do. Um, but one thing that was... Uh, about this, the initial part of the discernment process was that it, there was a calm and a peace and an openness, which I haven't had in the past, that we haven't had in the past. And Doug had, has talked at other points in our lives about going to do something um, like this. And I've been like, no, no, we can't do that. There's bugs and and, and stuff, dirt. And um, so, so the fact that it was um, open, I really felt like God had sort of prepped, prepped the way. We um, we got some advice, and they, it, a lot of it depends, I think, on community, and that's something that we get here in a congregation full of people that we can lean on that you can't get when you're trying to do a faith walk or a spiritual walk off on your own, and that's being able to lean on other people. And so we got some advice that said, okay, talk to people who might be naturally skeptical and see what they say. And so we, um, we had talked to our financial advisor. And we said, hey, what do you think about this flirtation we have about going to work for free for a year and not get paid here or there and and just see how it goes? And he says, you know, you could do that you could do that. And that's the first like natural skeptic. And we talked to my parents. And your parents, let me tell all of you kids, your parents have your back. But when your parents sell their house and they move to your town and buy the house, you know, down the street from you so they can be close to you, telling them you're going to go and live across the world, you might think it'd be a little difficult. Well, my parents were incredibly supportive. And they were like, "Okay, how do we sign up? How do we come help?" So that was kind of the skeptic piece. And then we have the community in terms of your, your small groups, your people you trust, your advisors. And those are the people that we have known and that we have walked with over the last few years who knew us. And who could say, hey Thais, you've been talking about being dissatisfied with what's going on uh, for a couple of years. You know, maybe this is something. Or they just look at the way your eyes light up when you talk about this. That means something. And these are not the people that you can say, hey, I might be feeling a call, so I think I'd better get in a small group and then have them say that. It has to be somebody you already know, right? And so I'm going to be the pitch for getting in community ahead of time so that you have people you can lean on as life happens.
2: Can yeah. I add something just real Absolutely. quick on the two things? Actually, one is, as we were going through the process of investigating this, um, one moment was when I was talking to the recruiter on the phone and he told me that they had fellowship opportunities in things that Thais is good at. And he didn't know Thais. He was just describing government relations and social work and I said, you know, wait a minute. Are you saying that there would be an opportunity for us both to plug into this professionally and I explained what Thais's background was and he said well yeah there's precedent for people doing this as a couple and I told him which is the truth you know the two of us Thais is by far the better get and so maybe you should focus on her and not me Um, and but that was a pivot point when I told Thais that you know she got excited for herself as well she was playing along with this to be supportive of of my flirtation with this organization but then we found out we could both do this and that was sort of confirming that this was a fit and maybe God was talking to us
3: yeah, that it's something you do together right? Yeah. There's so much in life we end up with this divide and conquer and to be able to walk into a new place and and to be able to do something as a team our entire family and where we don't know anybody else then we gotta lean on each other it's really appealing. the other
2: thing I wanted to add and I, I didn't say this in the other services but I wanted to say in this room was that um, as many of you know we lost somebody very dear to us a year and a half ago. Um, the Baskins on the front row sit with sit with us every week, and and we lost JJ a year and a half ago, and he was 48 with young kids, and it was it was devastating for so many of us. Um, and I, I think back to the day of JJ's funeral when we heard the music of Sarah Groves, and that was new to us. We did not know her music, but. Um, the the music of Sarah Groves is inspirational and challenging and kind of pointing at you and saying, what are you doing in the world? And there were two songs that were performed at at JJ's sermon that stuck with us. And we bought her album after that. And and we've played it a lot in the last year and a half as we have um, reflected on how much he meant to us. And um, of all things, when we went to the global prayer gathering in Washington, DC, trying to figure out if God was calling us into this, Of all people, the worship team leader for those two days was Sarah Groves. And I sort of felt like JJ was stalking me (laughs) and continuing to point at me and say, you know, get off your seat and go out and do something if you don't like what's happening in the world. Thank you. So we're in this series,
0: That Kingdom Come, and talking about what it means through this relationship to be sent out. whether we're in Cambodia or whether we're here in Austin, as you all have had to reflect on what it means to live as kingdom people and for kingdom values, what are the things about IJM that you think can help us here at Covenant, all of us, unlock what it means to seek first the kingdom of God?
2: Yeah, we um, at the global prayer gathering. We bought a couple of books that we read on the plane coming home, and just learning more about what this organization does and what makes it tick. It was founded by a man named Gary Haugen, who's a dedicated Christian. Um, He was a lawyer at the U.S. Justice Department, and in 1994, he was tapped by the United Nations to do a new job, to go and be the chief negotiator, the chief investigator for the genocide that occurred in Rwanda and he writes in his books about how devastating it was for him to go to these places and to see the atrocities that people have committed against each other in churches by christians hacking each other to death with machetes and how could this happen how could god allow this injustice to occur in this messed up broken world and describes it as as an anger and and it's a natural impulse impulse for us all i think and and he writes about how As Christians, we have bought into the idea that God delivers mercy for the poor through us. God delivers food for the hungry through us. God visits people in prison who are lonely through us. That we are the hands and feet of Christ and that we are called upon to go be God's servants in that role. But for some reason, we've seen justice very differently. We look at justice as something that God is not delivering to the world. And how can that be? And why would a God of justice allow slavery to still exist? Um, But Gary Haugen's point in his his book really struck a chord with both of us that um, God does have a plan for addressing injustice in the world. God does have a plan for ending slavery. And the plan is us. The plan is us. And there is no plan B, there's no backup plan. It's on us. And it's not that God couldn't eradicate injustice, just like God could eradicate poverty, God could do it in the swipe of a hand. But God has allowed us to be his servants in this world. God has allowed us to participate in the work of delivering justice. And will we be willing to accept that calling? And that really resonated with me as a kingdom value, as, as something that um, if I'm not willing to step into these dark places, these hard places to play a role in this, then who am I really? Because I'm in this meeting with Joe Farrell and he's talking about a way that I as a lawyer can be a part of what God's doing to address injustice. Who would I be if I didn't step into that and, and go do that work?
0: Well, and that idea opens up all kinds of possibilities here in Austin doesn't, I mean, if, if we are the plan A and there is no plan B, then that opens up when we see the world around us or what's happening in the city, what the call might be for each of us and what God lays on our hearts.
3: Yeah, I think for me, uh, the kingdom values that we've talked about uh, with this organization, when, when we listen in this election season, say, and you hear people say, okay, well, you're going to vote as a Christian, and we talk, we talk in this little Christian bubble of America where we're all relatively safe and relatively well off. Okay, the Christian values are about who's going to be on the Supreme Court and what's your personal morality and things like this. When it gets down to where the most of the world lives, we got to go back to that very root part of Christian values and kingdom values, which is we're supposed to love God and we're supposed to love our neighbor and who's our neighbor. And is it the 15 million kids that are in slavery right now? Or is it the one in 13 people in the world that their home is so dangerous, they can't stay there and they have to find another place to live. And so where we get involved here and there's opportunities like that all over Austin to get involved.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and just to illustrate this, to illustrate the power of this, One of the things that's happened in the IJM office in Cambodia is that for years, up until now, one of their primary focuses has been child trafficking. But as IJM has been prosecuting cases of child traffickers, they are now having to pivot as an organization in Cambodia because the cases of child trafficking has dropped dramatically. It has made a difference when people have been there and stood up and made and accepted the challenge of God of, I'm the one that's supposed to do something about this, it requires us both here locally and internationally to get involved, to listen to the call and do it. So last question, and we're not saying goodbye to you guys yet. We got, we got a couple of months before we, we will, and we'll pray and send you off. But in the scripture passage today, it says about how we're supposed to seek first the kingdom of God and to, to believe in faith that the things that cause us worry or anxiety will be Added to us. I imagine that you guys hear that uniquely as you are getting ready to move with your kids to Phnom Penh. Tell us how we can be praying for you all and thinking about you all in this promise that Jesus makes to us all.
2: Yeah, I, we've we've built a website, we've got a lot of information, and I'm happy to stick around and hand out information about that. It has has a lot of information about what you could pray for, for us specifically, but I, I actually okay, have a So great the
3: true miracle there was that Doug Kilday has built a website.
2: <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Doug Kilday knows people who can build a website. <laughs> but... Um, between now and then, there's a whole lot of a whole lot of logistics that we've got to sort through, and it's just hard because life happens. So you could be praying for us about just sort of having the the wherewithal to stick to it and get the things done between now and January. I have a great peace about getting on an airplane and going, and that's part of what confirms to me that God is involved in this uh, because I can't imagine six years ago I would have felt at peace at all about doing what we're about to do. But it, it feels very uh, it feels very right. Um, but I guess my biggest prayer is that we don't want this to be about us. Um, there's, there's a tendency that we all have to celebrate what a person is doing. Um, I've been guilty of that. I've watched what Terry Cole does with the Street Youth Ministry for years. I knew him when he was at AMD before he launched Street Youth Ministry. And I look at Terry and I go, he is unbelievable, and he is. But I'm sure Terry is in this room somewhere wanting me not to talk about how amazing he is even though he is, but his ministry is amazing. There he is on the back row sitting down. Uh, His ministry is amazing and God is using Terry to perform miracles on the drag next to the University of Texas campus right now. And there's a whole community of people who are involved in that ministry with him. And it continues because of this community and others like it in Austin who have come along to support what he's doing. And we perceive that God wants our church involved in addressing what you've seen on the video today. We think God has a role for covenant in helping to end slavery in the world. And it would be an epic fail if this church sent one family in 2017 to one place and we came home and we checked the box and said, great, we did that. Isn't that cool? And isn't it cool what the Kill Days did? I'm praying that there are other tingles down other spines and that God will speak to someone else in this room who wants to go in 2018 and 2019 and 2020. And if you are someone who is involved in the legal profession or has a background and experience with law enforcement and investigations or social work or government relations, then I hope that you'll listen to see if God's calling you to be part of what IJM is doing. Go to the global prayer gathering in early March of next year and pray with people, listen to people. and. consider whether God is calling you because we want this to be a partnership that's long-term and we want covenant to play a role in the work God is doing.
0: Would you all join me in thanking Doug and Thais for sharing a little bit about their story with us? So friends, as Doug said, uh, where does this story begin? Well, this story begins a long time ago, but, but for Covenant, where this story really begins is not Joe Farrell being here and meeting with us. Where this story begins for Covenant is Pledge Sunday last year. Because Pledge Sunday last year, you all pledged at a level that we were able to enter into a new mission partnership. And so I want you to hear this as we prepare for next week. Because of your giving, slaves will be free this year. That is a significant thing that you are a part of. And next year depends on how we respond again. So may we respond, seeking first the kingdom of God, trusting that everything else will be given unto us. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. All right, at this point, we're going to invite, uh, actually, the Kill Days kids as we pray, uh, Naida and Lincoln and David, just to come up here, since this is the service where you guys normally um, worship. And, again, we're going to get to pray for you all in January as you go. But we want folks to know who you are, and so they can be um, identifying and praying for you guys and even getting a chance to talk to you after the service. And let's have a chance. Let's pray together now. Father, we ask that you would be with us this day. We thank you for your kingdom call upon all of our lives. We ask that you would be with each of us and each of our mission partners in Austin and around the world. And we ask, Lord, that specifically today you would be in the work of international justice mission, of people who right now around the world are working to eradicate slavery. We give you thanks for the chance to partner with IJM, and we give you thanks that Doug and Theus and Naida and Lincoln and David have felt this call upon their lives as well. We ask, Lord, that you would be with the five of them as they prepare over the next couple of months to leave and to move to Phnom Penh. We ask that you would unify their family Give them all, each of them, a strong sense of your call and your peace and your leading and your guidance, and I look forward to, as the five of them come back, hearing all kinds of stories about how they have seen you show up in their lives and provide. We give you thanks that you call us into the adventure of following you and ask that you would lead and guide each and every person in this room this day and this week, and in the days to come, we pray. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen.